Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world and all we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my mom? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. So should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, where are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marketing Nerds. My name is Danielle Antos. I am the Features Editor at Search Engine Journal. I'm joined today by Sarah Spivey of Bizarre Voice. Hi, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Yeah, I'm excited. So you're the CMO at Bizarre Voice, so we're going to talk about... Um, online reviews are just a huge deal. I know a lot of businesses, especially smaller businesses, super important. And I guess my first question is going to be, what are the benefits, like the main benefits of having these reviews? Obviously, people look to see how other people have interacted with the brand to decide whether they're going to spend their money. But outside of that, um, what are maybe some of the SEO benefits or online uh, benefits to it? Yeah, we see benefits in a couple of different categories. So obviously, the the first one that I think people think of that's most notable is purchase conversion, right? And um, I think the statistics have really shown that, you know, consumers trust other consumers when it comes to kind of researching and um, getting input on different products they might buy. So certainly, we know that it has an impact on conversion kind of category dependent, you know, it swings, you know, from a low of, you know, five to 10% up to 35, 40%, depending on the category. So um, there's a pretty wide range there. The other area where we really see ROI, most notably, I think is in search. Um, And so when we look at that for our clients, um, typically, you know, we know that good, fresh content is what drives the Google search engines. Um, obviously there's a big cost differential between driving organic search versus paid search. Um, and we know that review content drives organic search, um, you know, anywhere between 10 and 20%, depending on, um, how dense that content is, you know, how many relevant keywords happen to end up in that, in those search algorithms. Um, but certainly it has a pretty big impact on where people end up in the uh, search algorithm and ranking. Okay. Is there any way, so you're talking about the better, it's better for you if there's more keywords, how do you kind of guide your reviewers to use the type of language that's going to be best for you for organic search? Well, you can't really. I mean, you know, you, you, people are going to write how they feel about the product. You can't really steer. But in general, a lot of the words people will use to describe their experience with a product may also drive keyword. Um, and that is typically what drives that search lift. But, um, yeah, we don't obviously recommend that people steer reviewers towards towards keyword. Right. Yeah, you can't do it directly. But I'm wondering, um, so like how you brand yourself, how you explain yourself to your clients is going to be hopefully how they describe you in reviews. Maybe not directly, of course, it's kind of broad, but. Yeah, certainly. And I think, um, you know, their product experience, you know, great quality or, you know, a lot of, a lot of search results we find get driven by particular use cases. So how somebody used a product and then how they describe that will also drive search activity. So just educating your clients would probably be the most helpful, I would think. 
Yeah, I think in the purchase process, they learn, certainly you go to a product um, a product detail page and you learn about, you know, specifications and, and use cases and, and quality components. And then, you know, hopefully their experience is consistent with whatever has been, you know, part of your marketing plan for that product and that they mirror back what you, you know, have espoused your product delivers on. Fair enough. Um, so my next question is going to be where is the best place to host these reviews? So you've got Yelp, you've got TripAdvisor. I know a lot of businesses, especially small brick and mortar, struggle with Yelp. Um, is it better to use those kind of sites? I think that there's ways to embed those reviews on your site, or is it better to to use your own, or could you even use social media? Um, you can use all of those things. Um, certainly, we generally uh, advise our clients that they want to put content directly on their product pages and directly on their site. Number one, as we've just discussed, it drives search. Um, yeah. But the second thing I think is that, um, particularly if they're working with Bizarre Voice, we um, moderate um, those reviews, and then we also um, uh, do uh, digital um, digital authenticity checks. So we know that the content coming through is authentic; it hasn't been, you know, generated by a bot. Um, and we also work with every brand and retailer in terms of moderation guidelines um, for their sites. Um, we can't make those same claims with Yelp um, or any of the other third-party review sites. Um, Having said that, you know, more content is better than none, right? So <laughs> if you don't have an option to do your own content generation, um, certainly using some of the Yelp content is better than nothing. Um, but we certainly would recommend that, you know, people um, directly engage with their consumers and that they're in active in that dialogue and not sort of a third party bystander. Gotcha. So like we're talking about, you mentioned kind of the negative reviews and responding to that, moderating that. Um, what's just a few good best practices as far as responding to negative reviews? So you're going to have those people that are mad, no matter what you say, you're not going to be able to make it better. But then there's the people who legitimately had a difficult time. What's the best way to respond to that? Should you just ignore it, apologize, try to take them off site? Hey, shoot us an email, give us a call or respond right there. So first of all, let me just be clear that moderation guidelines do not mean you're taking out negative reviews, right? So moderation guidelines are things like, you know, you may want, not want a reference to price because your price may not be the same in every area of the country, or you don't want a okay. reference to a particular brand name. So moderation has nothing to do with negative or positive reviews. So let me be clear about that. Okay. But in response to your question about negative reviews, yeah, I think, you know, we always tell clients, you know, because that still remains, it's less so than it was three or four years ago, but still remains a concern, right, about negative reviews. And it's been our experience that certainly, you know, your brand is judged more by the way you respond to negative feedback than the fact that there is negative feedback. There's going to be negative feedback, you know, on every product and service, just that's the nature of the beast, given the diversity in people who purchase products and the diversity of use cases they use them in. Um, but how you respond to it in terms of, you know, first apologize. So sorry, you had the experience, but I think people just want to be recognized that they had a bad experience and the brands and retailers, um, we certainly would counsel them that yes, they should respond to them. They should take action. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, customers that work with us have a very visible sort of make right policy in terms of people who had a bad experience. But I think it, it certainly speaks to the fact that that, content is, um, honest and authentic. Um, I think 
I, as a consumer, am always suspect when every review is a five star. Yes, right. So I, was gonna I don't think that. that I don't think that buys you a lot of um, a lot of uh, a lot of merit. So we always strongly encourage that our customers, um, you know, embrace it, respond to it, react to it. Um, you know, in a perfect scenario, they're actively baking that into the next revision of product development. So you know, you get a review, or I love this product, but the tab on it keeps breaking. Bad example, but you get my drift. You know, we right. would hope that in the research and development cycle in those brands that they are actively saying, we got to fix this. We've got way too many people who have had a bad experience with it. So we think the positive um, far outweighs uh, the negative. I agree with what you were saying about the negative reviews, because, yeah, you want to see even a couple two, three star reviews of. I liked this if it's intelligently done. I like this aspect. I get I got trouble with this. And when the business comes back and goes, "Hey, you know, I'm so sorry that that happened. Give us a call. We want to give you free month if it's a say an SEO tool or something like that. Or we'd like to buy your next dinner if it's a restaurant. Something like that. It that makes a huge difference. And when you I mean, respond, um, so there's every, the crazy. Every opportunity is an opportunity to engage in one form or fashion. And how do you turn all of those opportunities to engage into something positive for the consumer? Absolutely. And I do want to say um, I did a lot of social media for small restaurants, which is super fun when it comes to online reviews. Um, You're going to have those crazies. That's definitely going to happen. People that I kind of mentioned this before, no matter what you do, they're not going to be happy. And I think staying calm and just doing the best that you can, people can see that. They see that you're responding. They see that you're trying to engage. And the calmer you are and the more that you're trying to help, the less credible that review seems to the outside viewers. I agree. All right. We're going to take a break real quick and come back. And I've got a few more questions for you. Sounds good. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. All right. And we're back. Um, the next question I want to ask you, Sarah, is how do you get more reviews? So we kind of talked about how you, you can only guide so much, right? You can't really get them to use key terms unless you just sort of add that into your branding so that people intuitively understand that those are the words that describe your product. But how do you get, especially Yelp, you're not really allowed to ask for reviews. If you're doing it on site, then that's pretty easy um, to do. But what are some tips for brands that are looking to get more reviews out of their, their clients? So from a review perspective, and I'll, I'll break it into two categories because we think about sort of text-based reviews, and then we also think about visual content. And both are very important to the purchase decision, but let me talk about reviews um, first. So um, we find the most effective way for on-site, obviously, is to send somebody a, what we call a post-interaction email, right? You purchase the product, give us your thoughts. Um, you know, we find the response rates to those are actually pretty good. Um, and we also find that sending a second email, the response rate is equally good after, you know, two, it tends to fall off, but certainly, you know, we would advise people to, to send out the post interaction email. Um, people put those on different clocks, depending on what the product is, you know, it might, it could be two or three days on something that is a quick use item. It could be, you know, we wait 30 days before we send the PIE, um, 
The second thing I would say is we've seen a lot of um, clients that are quite successful with sweepstakes sorts of things. So mm-hmm. send us a review and qualify for a $50 shopping spree at X retailer. That is pretty right. successful. Um, the third thing we talk about is product sampling. So particularly when you're talking about launching a new product, um, to send samples of those products out to community-based sampling um Uh, sampling communities that are interested in sampling your products and collect review content prior to launching that so that when you launch the product, you already have consumer experience to share. So sampling is a good one. Um, And then switching to visual content, um, certainly people are very successful running um, hashtag campaigns. Um, uh, Our curations product allows us to actually ask through our digital rights management platform, asks for permission to use that photo. So someone puts it in a a hashtag campaign and then we will scrape um, Twitter, Instagram, other places for that content and put it directly onto the brand site for them once they've um, given permission. So um, there are a lot of ways to interact with consumers as they're already generating content um, to add onto your, um, product pages and other places in your site. And then the last one I'd say, which isn't really, um, it's not as pertinent, I guess, for collection, but the other thing we tell people is don't think about this just as a website phenomenon, right? We see retailers that are highly successful using consumer generated content in store, in aisle, in their apps, Um, so, you know, it's not just a, you know, dot com phenomenon anymore. It's, it's pretty active in also offline shopping behavior as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I think in a lot of ways, the kind of the reviews become the word of mouth. Like it used to be, if you wanted to buy a new washing machine, you'd ask, you know, your uncle and your cousins, Hey, what washing machine do you like? And now you go to Google and you type it in. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is that I think, the statistics for people who actually trust people they don't know is higher than for people they do know, which is something interesting. It's, you know, that it's kind of turned that people will trust consumers that they, they don't know at all over, you know, brand advertising as an example. So, right. I wonder if that's because they assume they can be objective. Like for example, just use the washing machine. If I ask my mom what kind of washing machine she likes, I know she's super particular about certain things as far as washing. Like she wants to make sure that it can do big loads and all these other things. And I don't know that about someone random on the internet. Does that make sense? Like I think it might skew me and think, eh, I don't need something quite as good as maybe what she would want. Yeah, I just need I, to get my clothes uh, clean. Yeah, I think the other thing about it is, you know, we really encourage our clients to have sufficient volume of reviews on their sites such that the content becomes relevant for a particular shopper. So in your case, if you're, you're, um, your example, right, you're going to look for a review that's written by somebody who is about your age, maybe, you know, has the same sort of family configuration you do, is going to use the washing machine as frequently or infrequently as you do. So the likelihood of you being able to match with somebody that you don't know, but who may be a closer fit to you and how you're going to use that product is going to be higher with the more volume right. they collect. Um, and I think that probably is a big reason why it's this sort of, I'll trust somebody I don't know, but I know they're like me. Yes. As I'm just thinking about like the washing machine thing, I do cloth diapers for my 10 month old. So if someone commented and said, Hey, you know, I've been using it for cloth diapers for two years, never had an issue, never had to strip my diapers. 
that I would really connect with and be like, okay, that's, that's the one I want. That's me. Yeah, right. You're going to find that much more compelling. That's exactly right. That's really interesting. Um, so the next thing I wanted to ask you about is there's different niches, of course, right? So you've got, you might have an SEO tool, you might have an e-commerce platform, maybe you sell cloth diapers. I do like cloth diapers. Um, or even just like a pizza restaurant. What, is there any company that should be more concerned or less concerned or is just, should everyone do it? You know, we used to say, oh, high consideration products were much more of a fit, you know, from our customer base in terms of things that were a little higher priced and people were much more deliberate and they weren't going to be replacing. But, you know, over time, I think all of at least my preconceived notions about that have kind of been squelched. I mean, you would be amazed at the number of people who write reviews on paper towels, as an example. Um, so the breadth and depth of kind of who we serve and what those consumers look like is so varied. Um, and I think the conclusion that I've sort of come to is there's no such thing as a low consideration category, only low consideration brands. Um, and I think all the brands that have chosen to really interact with what their consumers are saying Um, see the results. Um, You know, we tell potential clients all the time, look, your clients are out there talking about you anyway. So you can either choose to participate or not. That's up to you. But we think you're going to have a much more longer term engaged consumer that not only buys from you the first time, but buys from you again and again, the more you sort of embrace listening to what they have to say and really thinking about how it impacts your business. That's fair enough. Uh, so I wanted to ask just, we're about out of time, just one last little kind of, I guess, soundbite as it, I guess the whole thing's a soundbite, but um, <laughs> what final takeaway would you give someone who either hasn't really done much with reviews or is just considering maybe they should be more involved in the reviews? What's just best practice of the advice that you would give? Well, I think, you know, above and beyond all things, it's, how are you engaging with your consumers, right? And I mean, obviously, you know, I work for a company that's very involved in collecting consumer-generated content, and I can make the argument that that solution fits a lot of brands and retailers. Um, But there still may be people out there that say, well, I have a different approach. And, you know, my advice would be figure out the best way you can create a dialogue with your consumers. I happen to believe it's through asking for their feedback And then opening a dialogue about that. But whatever works for you in terms of an open dialogue with clients that is a two-way street is going to make you successful as a brand or a retailer. Um, We sell a variety of products and services to help you do that. And at the end of the day, you know, I'd love to have all of them as clients. But the most (laughs) important thing, if you want to be successful as a brand or a retailer, is that you figured out how to engage with your clients for the long term. Thank you. That's great advice. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again next week. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.